Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. I imagine we're all growing frustrated, and in my case, angry, about the continued lockdown of America by politicians who claim they are protecting us from the COVID-19 virus. But the more I research and study what's happening to our country, certain words come to mind, like deception, self-interested, agendas, power grabs, fraud, political crimes. But the one word I think best describes what is happening is this one, coup. So I've asked Dr. Angelo Cota Villa to join me on the show today. He's written a powerful 21-page essay for the American mind entitled The COVID Coup and How to Unlock Ourselves. It's an exceptional explanation of the direct persistent assault on freedom that's going on in America. He writes, panicked by fears manufactured by the ruling class, the American people assented to being put essentially under house arrest until further notice, effectively suspending the habits, preferences, and liberties that have defined our way of life. Dr. Cotavilla is Professor Emeritus of International Relations at the Party School of Global Studies at Boston University and a member of the Working Group on Military History at Stanford's Hoover Institution. Among his 13 books are War, Ends, and Means, Informing Statecraft, A Linguistic Analysis of Machiavelli's Prince, The Character of Nations, and the monograph, The Ruling Class Versus the Country Class. A Google search for Angelo Cotavita Villa yields some 2 million items. Angelo, Angelo, thanks for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I, there's so many things I want to dig into with you, but let's start with the ruling class because the premise here is that uh, uh, this is not about the virus. This is about something else, and that something else is power, and it's power being exerted by what you've defined as the ruling class. Would you give us a quick, give me a quick summary of what 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 yeah. you mean by that? I, I think I know, but. Look, this is the United States of America. There's not supposed to be a ruling class. The 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 the, the founding document of this country, the Declaration of Independence, says all men are created equal. And uh, that, of course, is, is a ex explicit denial of any person or any group's right to rule anybody else with, without their consent. Uh, but, in fact, uh, what has happened to us is something very familiar in, in history, uh, very familiar to, to uh, great thinkers. Aristotle describes in, in book five of the politics, uh, the, the sort of standard process by which constitutional uh, republics uh, like ours uh, come into the hands of a ruling class. Uh, what happens is that uh, parts of the, um, uh, of the polity, uh, the oligarchs, the officials, uh, gain, gradually gain more and more strength, uh, become more and more self-interested, uh, uh, govern more and more in their own interests rather than in the interest of the whole. And at a certain point, uh, they, uh, uh, they drop the mask and simply uh, uh, exp explicitly seize the rest of the power and say, 
you uh, simply obey and we command, uh, and that's all there is to it. Uh, they, uh, there, are, there are a million pretexts on which they can do it. Uh, over the year, over the centuries, this has happened in any number of ways. Uh, one of the usual ones is to uh, claim that an emergency has arisen, something uh, unusual, and that requires the seizure of power. Uh, history, again, is full of these things. Uh, I, perhaps people are, are still uh, are, uh, mindful enough of history to know what happened in Germany in 1933. There was a fire in the Reichstag. <laughs> and uh, because of that, uh, a mustachio little bastard uh, ended up taking over and, uh, and wreaking havoc. Uh, now here we have a... Uh, a fire, a fire that was started by, uh, by, by, the, by, by the, little guy, the little guy with the mustache. Yeah, by the little guy with the mustache. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what we've got now is is a pand pandemic which was not started by by anybody here, but uh, as um, uh, Mr. Axelrod uh, reminded us, never let a crisis go to waste, and they've made uh, very, from their standpoint, very very good use of it. Uh, they have uh, in, uh, taken power in ways that uh, none of us uh, would have imagined possible just a short while ago. Well, there's really no emergency now, except maybe for them, the 2020 election. Well, that that is a gamble that they that they are taking, uh, and we we have yet to see how that gamble will turn out. Uh, but it is a gamble on on their side. This will either consolidate their power. All it will wreck it. Uh, it might very well do just that because there's nothing quite uh, awakening a sleeping giant and filling him <laughs> with terrible resolve, well, as Mr. Yamamoto said. Well, I think that's beginning to happen. I think more and more people are growing suspicious. Uh, you, you know, you, you don't know. This, this remains to be seen. Is there any evidence that the, uh, the COVID-19 uh, provides extra risks to people's lives? Oh, no, no. Uh, look, look, look. This, this is a, the, the very na uh, name uh, COVID-19 tells us this is, this is something that has happened before. You've had a, a various 18 kinds of coronaviruses coming out of China in the past. And uh, uh, we have this one. Now, it is a virus and it, it uh, you know, it, it's not a good, it's not a friendly, cuddly thing. It does, it does some harm, uh, but the uh, question is how much? And uh, the, the ruling class has taken very good care to make sure that uh, the American people, the, the people in the West, uh, are not aware of exactly what that virus does and does not do. The, well, and, and then, and then we've, we've locked everyone down and the premise essentially, is maybe not everyone's equally vulnerable, but certainly everybody needs to be equally responsible. So we've inflicted this on everyone when in fact the, the virus is lethal, but it's lethal to people who are 75 and older who have, have comorbidity. And, and Italy, you corrected me, you, you, you very friendly corrected me on how to pronounce your last name before we get started. As an Italian, you're probably aware that Italy, 99.1% of the people who died average 80 years old, and they all had type 2 diabetes. Well, yeah, type 2 diabetes, there's some 
peculiarity in this virus with regard to diabetes. Uh, again, we don't know why, uh, but we do know that, that it is that. Uh, now, the, the Germans did a, uh, did a study and came up with conclusions that are very similar, but they phrased it differently. And they said, look, uh, the people who have died are people who, have, who would have died, who almost certainly would have died anyway during that period. Because uh, every year, you know, every day, people do die uh, for a variety of reasons. And uh, at the end of life, uh, the human body is very weak and absorbs all kinds of viruses, all kinds of germs. I mean, at the end of life, uh, everything kills you together. Uh, this, is, this is what happens. And uh, again, the, the, uh, the view of the, uh, the German health authorities was uh, that, uh, that uh, any kind, that this really in and of itself was not a terrible problem. But now th this is the view of the, the health authorities and the, the government uh, chose to present it some, not as, in as virulent a way as the, as the U.S. government, but still uh, in somewhat the same way. Let me explain why. Uh, why the similarity between the reactions of uh, most governments. Unknown uh, caller. Uh, let me, I've got a phone. Sorry. Is that your, your daughter-in-law? I have no idea who that was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have these, itself, these identified rings. I was, I was trying to look. Uh, all, over, all over the Western world, yeah. for the past dozen years at least, uh, the I mean, ordinary people have been revolting against their rulers. Uh, the, um, it's what has happened here in the United States with the election of Donald Trump is by no means... Unknown caller. ...is by no means unique. Uh, the, uh, in Italy, the, um, uh, the ruling parties have been clobbered in a referenda uh, and, in, and electorally. Uh, the, um, the same thing has happened in, uh, uh, in, in Germany. Uh, Angela Merkel, who is the sort of the reigning major statesman of Europe uh, has been roundly rejected by, by her vote. She's incredible. I'm on the board of the American Conservative Union. And uh, let, let me finish. I'm sorry for being heavy. I, I was going to amplify your point, though, which is uh, uh, runs CPAC. And we hold CPAC in the United States once a year. But we've taken to hosting it around the world. And you find the same kind of people showing up in Japan uh, as you as you do in the United States, who are who are revolting against uh, what you'd call the ruling class, to the extent that some people show up at the rallies in in Tokyo wearing MAGA hats. Oh yes, well, of course, of course. No, there is a a, a fellow feeling, both on the part of the ruling classes and on the part of those who revolt against them. It's it's essentially the same phenomenon, because again the. Uh, 
the, the governments of, um, uh, of, of modern countries are very much alike. Uh, and, uh, and so are the peoples very much alike. And so the, the, the phenomenon that we have here in the United States is akin to that which exists uh, in other countries. So uh, the, the ruling classes have had the same, the very same interest in using that, using the, the um, uh, this virus as a, an occasion, not to say excuse, to um, first of all change the subject. The subject of, of public discourse had been dissatisfaction with the ruling class. At least now the subject has changed to, oh, the virus. Uh, and uh, it has given the ruling classes the presumption of authority. It given them the chance to exercise the presumption of authority. Are, are you familiar with what's happened in Melbourne? In Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne, Australia, Jeffrey Tucker of AEIR has written about Melbourne, and they've, they're draconian. Their lockdown is infinitely more draconian than what we've seen here in the United States. And they, they're now, they have police now entering homes without warrants. Uh, you can't visit family or friends. There's a $200 fine for no mask. Only one person per day per household or per household can leave the house. And that's even for uh, uh, weddings are illegal and uh, there are no gatherings of any size and the army is on the street arresting people. And what happened was they thought as an island they were secure and they could keep the virus out. And you know a lot about this strategy. I guess the Venetian Judah, you keep people out of your country. But once the virus comes in, well, that's the point. There's nothing you can do. I mean, exactly. it's going to it's going to have to spread. Exactly, exactly. No quarantine uh, is uh, is something which is rightly, properly exercised on infected people. The idea of quarantining healthy people is is uh, reality upside down. Uh, look this, again. This is not a complex thought. This is not something you have to be an, ep an epidemiologist. To, uh, to understand uh, the, um, the purpose of quarantining is to keep infected people apart from others until the disease has or has not manifested itself uh, so that the disease does not enter a population. Once it has entered the population, it's Katie bar the door. Uh, it, will, it will go through the population. Angela Merkel, who is uh, who had politically failed, is uh, herself uh, a scientist, and at least uh, with regard to scientific matters, uh, honest. And when the virus hit, her reaction was that 70% yeah. of Germans would eventually get it, mm -hmm. and that would be that. And that is the case here as well. Uh, uh, the, that's the, the bad news. The good news is that this particular virus is unusually mild. Uh, this is not, uh, for most people, this is a lot less than the flu. It's not just the flu, it's a lot less than the flu. Well, you, you, you've, got some data, you've, got some data, you've got some data to back that up, I think is in well, your- yeah, No, 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 I mean, every, uh, look, uh, the Spanish government most recently published that 60% of all of the people whom they have tested and have tested positive are asymptomatic, i.e. that they didn't know they had it. Uh, I mean, that is how mild the COVID-19 virus is 
for most people. Four out of five who are infected, four out of five cases are asymptomatic cases. Now, um, that is, I, I began my essay uh, by, by uh, making the distinction between the COVID virus and the plague. Uh, uh, and that is a distinction which the ruling class uh, has tried to, uh, to elide. Uh, but that is the basic distinction. If you, if you have to, the beginning of wisdom about all of this, the truth about all of this is that no, this is not the plague. And, and, and we knew that very early on well, because we the way it behave, behaved in, in Wuhan. We knew what, what had happened with the Chinese, that it was absolutely not. Repeat after me, this is not the plague. This is not the plague. <laughs> uh, you're watching the Bill Walton Show, and I'm here with Dr. Angelo Cotavilla, and we're talking about uh, COVID-19, and, and it is not a plague, and we know that, and now we need to figure out how we can unlock our country. So we've made a lot of mistakes. We've locked everything down. If you could wave a wand to say, okay, well, let's get rational. What, what should we do? I mean, we need to protect the vulnerable. We need to protect older people, but this idea of not sending children to schools is just crazy. Not simply, we should not protect simply older people, but older sick people. Okay. Because, there are, because, again, uh, the, the data that we have uh, from, from countries that have actually gathered such data, and this country of ours has not, uh, the, uh, the, the, the data from Spain is that uh, the mortality rate for infected people over, for healthy infected people over 90 is 10%. Now, we're talking about people over 90 years old. Mm -hmm. Talking about the very oldest people, but who have no underlying conditions. You know, ordinary healthy people over 90 years old only, and who, who get the virus, only 10% die. Isn't, so, the, isn't the fatality rate for people under 70.04%? Uh, I, I, I'm not certain. It's, that it's that an infinitesimally low number. Very, very low. Yeah. Again, the, the, um, all illnesses strike those who are already ill hardest. You know, I mean, this is, uh, this is a basic truth. If you are weakened by something, anything that hits you will make you even weaker. I mean, this is common sense. Uh, in this case, in the case of this virus, it takes a particular, particular kinds of weakness to be really struck. So what Governor Cuomo did, of course, was the absolute opposite of common sense. He put, um, he, he put uh, COVID positive people in nursing homes, yeah. which are not simply full of old people. They're full of old, frail people who have to be subject to nursing care. These are the, simply the weakest of the weak. You know, he put this virus among the weakest of the weak. And of course they died like flies. What else would you expect? Uh, Isn't that the reason why New York fatalities are, are the highest? highest per capita in the country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would uh -huh. be, that would, that would, if you wanted to put your finger on why it's so different in New York, that's a big reason. What was they had sure. excess deaths of 20, 30,000 because of that? Yeah, 
again, nobody knows exactly what it is because again, they've, they've been very careful uh, not to allow those, fig those figures to be gathered. But if you think about this, nursing homes are the places where the weakest of the weak are, where the most vulnerable of the vulnerable are, you see. Uh, now, question, where are the least vulnerable people in the world? Schools. Yeah. <laughs> that is the place where the least vulnerable people on the planet gather. Well, the teachers unions, though, have been using this to say, well, okay, the children may not get it, but they could spread it to us. And there's very little evidence that this very, very little. spreads to again, older people. You know, if to give them their due, um, everyone has his own level of fear. Yeah. Uh, I have a neighbor who is you know, totally healthy and, and who is um, uh, paranoid about, uh, about the virus. And uh, well, you know, I say to, to her, I say, well, it's a free country. If you want to indulge that fear, if it makes you feel fuzzy and warm, to indulge that fear, go ahead. But, but, but I think your point but, is this, but, this, fear, this fear has been engineered, but though. Anybody else. But, but, but I think your point, though, is that this fear has been engineered. And it's been engineered well, yeah. by, right. by people who benefit from it. And you've got a list of, of right. entities and organizations that have benefited from the fact that we're locked down. Well, that's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, government's benefited. Nobody's been laid off. There hasn't government been a single day. Uh, the teachers' unions, of course, have made this. I mean, uh, if you want a testimonial to 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 uh, the brass, <laughs> to brass uh, faces and other parts of the body, here you have the <laughs> unions saying, "Hey, look, pay us what we have always wanted, or we won't. Uh, right. or we won't." To which the rational answer is, okay, this is a free country. You don't want to work. You don't have to work. You're fired. But, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this with you, though, is as you, you, you said at the outset, this may be a political blunder by people who think this is going to be helpful in, in November. And that this could backfire. And, and, and what we're identifying here is we've got government that's benefiting, teachers unions that are benefiting, Amazon. I mean, Jeff Bezos is a big one. Jeff Bezos, the richest and, of all. And, you know, he's uh, the news media, social media companies, Twitter, Facebook, media Google. Company. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, guess who put all these people together and uh, what uh, collective uh, name would you apply to them? Oh, the ruling class. Could, yes. you, coin, could you coin that term and maybe write it? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I didn't, no, I'm, I'm, quite a believer. I'm appreciating and, your. Uh, what I did, what I did is, um, uh, I applied it to the United States of America, and yeah. it had not been applied to the United States of America before, because it re we really didn't have one. We had always you had rich people, you had more influential people, uh, less influential people, but the influential people in America, and this is a, a very important point with regard to the ruling class, were diverse. You had different ways of being prominent, different ways of being powerful. Now it's different. Now there really is only one way of being prominent and of being powerful and of being rich. And that is being connected to government and specifically the Democratic Party. Now it's possible to be well off and powerful and not a Democrat and not being connected with government. But 
take for example, so the, the, the uh, epitome of this, a man by the name of Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is, sits on top of the judicial, hier of the legal hierarchy, member of the Supreme Court. He's <clears throat> a law man, et cetera, et cetera. Is he part of the ruling class? Absolutely not. He has none of the privileges of the ruling class, you see. Um, people like ruling. I'm sure that Bill Walton is, is not a poor fellow, uh, but Bill Walton is not a member of the ruling class. Uh, why? Because members of the ruling class do not consider Bill Walton a member of the ruling class, just as they don't consider Clarence Thomas a member of the ruling class. Yes, well, they consider the basketball player a member of the ruling class, but... Uh, well, that's right. Uh, <laughs> So that's, he, that's the point. You've got sports figures and, and you know, the whole NBA and NFL is now falling on its knee to uh, join. Sports figures, but even bad ones like Paul <laughs> Kaepernick, who allows a quarterback. <laughs> we're, 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 we're digging into something here that you've labeled as intersectionality, right? People have labeled right. it, which right. there's a, there's a, there's that's a that's solidarity of the group. That's not my label. Uh, intersectionality is, is a, uh, as a house term of the uh, um, radical left. So, so what that means is you, you, you make common cause with people. You've got uh, the global warming people, abortion, open borders, uh, media right. censorship on speech, that kind of thing. And there, there seems to be an incredible alignment between people who thinks this virus is, is, uh, is lethal right. and the people who hold those views. Right, and you're not gonna you're not gonna punch through because they're aligned uh, to say this is the most lethal thing ever. Right. Now, now uh, the, the point, uh, the fact that we pointed out here, the question to ask is why are they all aligned? On what are they aligned? And the the whole point of intersectionality is this: you may hate the United States of government and Western civilization because it is a barrier to abortion. You may hate the United States because it is uh, racist. You may hate the United States of America and uh, Western civilization because uh, it is patriarchal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are all different. We all have, we are, we good people are, uh, have different concerns, but the reasons for our concerns are identical. Namely, we all hate the United States of America. We all hate Western civilization. It is this common, it is this hatred for this one thing that unites us. That is the meaning of intersectionality, you see. Sharing only common hatred. And because we share the common hatred, and now this is the final point, because we share this common hatred, we all share each other's hatred. We who are against, who hate America for reason A, now also hate it for reason B, C, D, E, and F. Well, speaking of intersectionality, we had the virus uh, erupt and then very quickly thereafter, we had the Black Lives Matter exactly. erupt and, and, and rioting and looting and tearing, tearing down places like Portland. Those two are interconnected. Well, yes, by intersectionality. Yeah. They are connected by common hatred of the United States of America and civilization. Look, what different, <laughs> what is the commonality between um, um, COVID virus and uh, 
uh, the uh, and racial resentment and uh, tearing down the statue of Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Yeah. I In, missed that one. They tore down Julius Caesar as well. Julius Caesar. Uh, what is the what's the commonality there? Well, the commonality is Western civilization. See, uh, not that Julius Caesar was a great champion of it, but he was um, one of the major figures thereof. Uh, whether you like Julius Caesar or not, you know he was a he was big stuff in, in the civilization, <laughs> one way or another. So, either. so, so where have the Republicans been in this? I, I think they've been absent without leave, but what well, the heads have been up their ears. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, uh, and uh, that points us to a to a uh, political fact, which is key to the existence of the ruling class, namely that in the United States of America there is no bona fide opposition to the ruling class, and the reason for that lack of opposition is the nature. Of the, of the Republican Party. The Republican Party is a, the junior member of the ruling class, which lives electorally by pretending to be an opposition party. And uh, at best, it has its foot in both camps. Uh, but it is that equivocation which makes all of this possible. Uh, it, you, you make a, you, you make a, go ahead. You and I have just been saying that the, that the, uh, the left, the, uh, the revolutionaries are taking a big gamble in all of this. Yes, they are. Uh, but what would uh, failure in that gamble, what would loss consist of? Well, it would consist of the Republican Party getting lots of votes that it wouldn't have gotten otherwise. The Republican Party? The Republican Party that does what? The Republican Party that generally backs up the ruling class, you see. So, uh, so in a way, they're... Um, uh, the downside is not that great. The downside is not, yeah. is not that yeah. great. Uh, the, which is why, uh, excuse me for staying on, on, on grubby politics uh, a little longer, which is why the great struggle that took place in 2016 took place in the Republican primaries not in the general, not so much in the general election. The question was, who would there be anyone coming out of the Republican primaries who was against the ruling class? And what we got was an ambiguous yeah. uh, result because Donald Trump is only verbally, primarily verbally an opponent of the ruling class. Yeah. Uh, you're watching the Bill Walton show, and I'm here with Dr. Ang Angelo Cotavilla, and we're talking about uh, how the COVID-19 is really about politics and uh, the partisanship and intersectionality and, and people making common cause against the ordinary Americans. Uh, you you said, pointed out in the book something I quite agree with or in your, your piece. I think Donald Trump made a strategic blunder early on to not say to people, look, this is bunk. This disease is not lethal. It's not, it's not a plague. It's not gonna kill a lot of people. There's no evidence coming out of the numbers in China that would suggest that. Relax everybody, we're gonna get through this. 
and we're not going to lock down. And yet on March 19th, when he announced that, that we're locking the country down, that pretty much gave the uh, uh, gave the playing field to uh, to the people that uh, where they where they still have it. He gave credit yeah. where credit was not due, and uh, those the, the people to whom he gave credit grabbed it and began beating him over the head with it. Uh, this was a if Donald Trump uh, is thrown out of office, I must say that he deserves it fully because uh, he, he made a mistake that, a, that um, no individual, never mind a political man, should ever make. Well, he made a claim early on, why well, save three million lives by locking everything down, which was just absolutely wrong. Which, which again, he, he, he tried- and now, and now he's still living with that. He tried to build himself up, but, but was foolish in doing it. Uh, I, but as we, as we uh, uh, denigrate Donald Trump, uh, let us not forget. I'm not denigrating him. I just made, I, I, no, I think no, he made no, a blunder no. though. I, we all do, but I, I think he, he has a hard time walking that one back. Nothing but the truth. Look, I voted for Donald Trump uh, in 2016. I'll vote for him again. Uh, but uh, he, the mistakes he made he, are the mistakes that he made. And all, not only is he suffering from them, the rest of the country is suffering from them. Uh, the uh, the things that have been done to this country by the the, the lockdowns are are monstrous. Uh, but but, the, but it's falling so much disproportionately on the ordinary Americans. It's stunning because you know if you look at the beneficiaries, why is the stock market up fifty percent? Well, the stock market's made up of names like Adidas, Amazon, uh, you know American Express, all the big companies, uh, and all the all the tech companies and. Uh, and so if you're, if you're living on a portfolio or you're among the wealthy, you're not, you're not hurt by this. Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, no, the wealth, the more money you've got, the, the better off, uh, the proportionately better off you are. Uh, but think, think of the, the uh, economic effects. They really are very remarkable. Uh, one would not have thought it possible, for example, and it's, I mean, economists are going to have a, a hard time explaining how it is that uh, by reducing the supply of things, because things, the supply of things has been reduced by, by uh, uh, people no longer being employed producing, uh, the supplies of, of food and everything else have been reduced. By reducing the supply of things, prices have been driven up, but in a way that has required the uh, things that are produced, some of the things that are produced, to be thrown away, especially in agricultural goods. Like I run a farm, and um, uh, I see all over uh, farm country uh, vegetables being plowed under, um, uh, things being thrown away, animals being slaughtered and buried. Uh, and yet prices rising. What monstrosity is this? Also, uh, I, uh, I have uh, more contact with the, uh, with the um, with hospitals than I would like because I am a heart transplant patient. And so I, I, I notice that um, my own appointments, my own monitoring of my condition uh, have, has been uh, drastically reduced. Yeah. And millions of others have had their tests and 
procedures delayed. Uh, and a lot of people are suffering and dying because of manufactured uh, shortages in healthcare. I did a show with Jim Agresti, who runs Just Facts, and he's done, he's a hardcore statistical analyst, and he he estimates that the deaths caused by the lockdown could be some 90 times that of the actual lives saved. Right, right. Well, by the way, there is no evidence whatsoever that the lockdown saved any lives yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, well, and so people aren't, people aren't going to the dentist, they're not taking tests, they're not being diagnosed, uh, they're not taking treatments. The, the, the meaning of the word quarantine, okay? Yeah. Quarantine is a, a period of isolation imposed on the sick and potentially sick, not on the healthy. This is simply a fact. This is fundamental. And yet you have the likes of Anthony Fauci saying, no, no, quarantine the healthy. This is not science. And Donald Trump does not have the courage to say this man is a fraud. Now he knows Donald Trump is not dumb. He knows that this man is a fraud. He realizes, he has realized for a long time that he made a mistake, but he has been frozen by fear uh, from who, saying. Who, who, who is Dr. Anthony Fauci? I mean, I know from TV. And, well, and, and what, how did he come to such prominence and why do we care what he well, well, thinks and says so much? Well, let me tell you that, uh, uh, let me suggest that you use two different tenses when you ask that question. <laughs> Who was Anthony Fauci? Anthony Fauci was a renowned epidemiologist. Uh, he did some, some work uh, 30 years ago, which uh, made him justly famous in his field. Uh, who is Anthony Fauci? That's something different. He is a bureaucrat. <laughs> Uh, and a leftist bureaucrat to boot, uh, a partisan leftist bureaucrat, an activist partisan leftist bureaucrat, who is Anthony Fauci also. He is also a um, profiteer of the, uh, uh, of the drug industry. Uh, so uh, when you say, who is Anthony Fauci? Well, there are, uh, there are uh, you must use tenses, and uh, ask in regard to what was he behind? Was he behind the uh, the, uh, the 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 attack on hydroxychloroquine? I mean, is that no. because he had another, no, no, another but cure? Right. I mean, we we have a cure at hand. It seems to work uh, quite well. And I think you point out that Michigan's Henry Ford Health Systems done a lot of work that shows that it's uh, it's effective. Not only that, but you have. Uh, Doctor, actually, uh, one thing that uh, Dr. Fauci is not, he is not a practicing doctor. I don't believe that, that this man has seen a, a patient in, in, in 30 years. Uh, but you do have many, many, many practicing doctors who have treated patients successfully with hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, now, uh, the, the left when the left speaks of abortion, speaks of the sanctity of the relationship between patient and doctor. Well, what about this sanctity now? The sanctity does not allow the use of hydroxychloroquine 
which has uh, has been used safely for 60 years. Yeah. Well, uh, Jenny Beth Martin had a group of doctors yeah, in front of the Capitol. Sincerity. This this whole business uh, with hydroxychloroquine shows zero sincerity. Uh, Fauci, by the way, showed his lack of sincerity when one day he was asked early on. This is back in uh, in, in April. Uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, uh, some people say that uh, hydroxychloroquine is an effective drug. If you became infected with the COVID virus, would you take hydroxychloroquine? And since, you know, his actually becoming infected was a real possibility, he, he, he hesitated, 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 essentially saying, if we don't ask that question. But the interviewer insisted. And Fauci said, well, yes, I would take it, uh, but only in a hospital setting and as part of a, uh, of a, of a clinical trial. Well, I, you know, one of the words I used, one of the words I used uh, to open the show was the word crime. Uh, it, it seems to me that if you know, if you know something's effective and you discredit it, and in fact, you collude with the, I don't know the collusion's the right word, but you get the social media companies to pull videos off of YouTube or Facebook or wherever they are that, that, that where you've got practicing doctors claiming that this works. And there've been hundreds, if not thousands of them that have come out and said that. And yet that there's, that's, that's been blacklisted. That's radio silence. You're not allowed to say that. Uh, you know, uh, we do have in this country for good or ill, probably for ill, a very, very active um, civil tort bar. Uh, I uh, would imagine it uh, might uh, be very interesting if someone who had uh, suffered uh, because hydro hydroxychloroquine was denied him or her sued a whole bunch of people for, in fact, making it difficult to get that drug or someone's, someone's uh, husband or wife had died. Said, look, uh, this drug was denied my, my husband, my wife, and he died. And I'm now suing these bastards for uh, X millions of dollars. My guess is that's going to happen. Now you have, we're, we're winding things up. We've got just a few minutes left. You have a, a way to get at the truth from this that involves holding hearings. And you point out that Kefauer held hearings about the labor unions and the mafia. And then uh, Sam, uh, Sam Irvin did Watergate. And there's a whole lot of good when a senator pulls somebody in front and puts their hand on the Bible oh, and says, you got to oh, tell the oh, truth. Listen, I worked for eight years on the Senate Intelligence Committee, and I had to deal with uh, some of the worst liars in the world, namely the CIA. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, you get these people <laughs> in, a, in a hearing, whether it's, uh, especially if it's, uh, if it's public, and you get them to put that hand on the Bible and <laughs> And all they see when they do that is the number five, five, five. That's the number of years you get for, for perjury. <laughs> and, and you ask them a hard question and you ask it again and again. <laughs> so who, would, who, would, who would hold these hearings and who would they call to testify? Well, uh, I think you mentioned Rand Paul and Ted Cruz have got committees. You would bring in Fauci 
and um, the uh, and those who have uh, made decisions in this regard, claiming the authority of science, claiming that they knew something. And you would ask them, how do you know that? Uh, do you really know, did you act uh, on a reasonable basis or did you not? Or was, was there no reason? And the, the, um, if the interviewers are, are sharp, they can punch through claims of, of uh, reasonableness really rather quickly. So you didn't know, or you didn't, did you, uh, did you take into account this fact? Well, I didn't know the fact. Yes, you did know that fact. <laughs> Uh, in other words, uh, hearings uh, can hold people responsible. That's one, one uh, advantage. The other advantage is that these hearings can showcase the truth. Number one, the COVID was not a plague. It never was a plague. There never was any reason to believe it was a plague. Number two, what did you know? Did you know that? Well, yes, you did know it. Number three, even though A, it wasn't a plague, and B, you knew it, why did you do A, B, and C? And so on and so forth. That is what hearings would do. Well, we'll get to the senators and talk to them about that, because that's a, that's a great line of action. People are looking for leadership to, uh, to help us out of this, and instead of freeing people up, things seem to be more draconian, especially if you live in the uh, Maryland area, D.C. area, with, uh, with what's happening in uh, August of 2020. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Cotabella, thank you for joining me. This has been fascinating, and I, I, we've covered just a bit of what, uh, what we can get into, so I hope you'll come back. Uh, I recommend everybody to go to the American Mind website and uh, pull up his uh, essay on the COVID uh, coup. There's a lot of wisdom in it, and uh, or Dr. Cotavia is a very wise man, and I hope you learn a lot from it, and I hope we can continue our conversation sometime soon. You're most welcome. Oh, and hold on a second. My wife is in the, in the other side of the set. Oh, yeah, and we, we'd, we'd also have you read the ruling class versus the country class, which really gets at the roots of uh, where this, how this division came about and why it matters well, today. How about the rest of my books? Huh? <laughs> how about the rest of his books? Well, I think... Uh, I want to read your one on Machiavelli's Prince. That uh, sounded interesting. So we'll read all your books. So anyway, thank you. And uh, I'll see you again. Soon. All right. Take care. Great. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone, and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.